Hello and welcome to the Exploring Excellence podcast, a show where I interview professional services leaders, innovators and client service stars on the importance of people delivering excellent services to drive business performance. I'm your host, Lynn Bromley, and I'm an author, speaker, business consultant and the managing director of First Impressions Training. I've spent my whole career in professional services and a large part of it in finance and technology, so I'm a huge fan of all things techie, but I want to make sure that in a world where we're more connected than ever before and also more disconnected at a human level than ever before, we bridge the gap between tech and people. So sit back and enjoy the show while I introduce you to today's guest. Good morning, and this is a slightly different episode this time because I'm not going to be interviewing anybody. I'm actually going to be reading a chapter of the book that I co-wrote a couple of years ago called Trusted, and I'm going to read the first chapter to you, which is all about mindset. The reason for that is because it was Mental Health Awareness Week recently, and I thought it'd be a good idea to share some of that content with you. So here goes. Seizing control of your mindset is one of the most powerful and fundamental actions you can take to achieve personal and professional success. Our own experience and research has shown us that in order to build outstanding relationships and deliver outstanding client service, we must first manage our mindset. Most people do not manage the mindset, they're not aware that it can even be managed, but the most successful leaders, sportspeople and clinicians know that managing their mindset sets them up for success. You might know of the Henry Ford quote, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. The culture of the organisation you're working within can also influence our mindset. Processes that do not allow employees to feel trusted and feel valued can have a significant impact on mindset. Whether people are trusted or treated with suspicion, they will live up to that expectation. Beliefs drive attitudes which affect behaviours. Growth Mindset Dr. Carol S. Dweck, Professor of Psychology at Stanford University and leading researcher in the field of motivation, has spent decades researching achievement and success and has determined that there are two types of mindset, fixed and growth. She also determined the power of mindset and the profound effect it can have on our lives. Prior to her research, she held the belief that we, sh- we couldn't get smarter. Whatever we were born with was what we had. Through her research, she has discredited her original belief and proven that we can become smarter. So do you have a fixed or a growth mindset? People with a fixed mindset believe that intelligence is fixed and their qualities are carved in stone. They avoid challenges, give up easily, don't see the value of effort, avoid negative feedback, are threatened by others' success and shy away from challenges for fear of being exposed. People with a growth mindset believe that intelligence can be developed through their quality and their qualities can be cultivated through effort. Embrace challenges, in fact they relish challenge. See effort as a path to mastering a skill. Learn from criticism. Incorporate learning and get inspiration from others' success and believe that we don't all have the same talents and abilities but that we can all grow through hard work, mentorship and perseverance. Depending on which mindset we operate in, we either narrow our world or widen it. 
Those with fixed mindsets narrow their world to appear as though they're achieving, whereas those with growth mindsets open up their world so they can look for opportunities and challenges, allowing them to grow. Many people have elements of both mindsets and different mindsets for different areas of their life. For example, a person could have a, a great could have great social skills, but thinks she's incapable of standing up and delivering a presentation for a group. Someone could have a great business mind, but think he's unable to master new gadgets. Beliefs are powerful. We do have a choice. We can change our mindsets if we want to. What you can do to move to a growth mindset. Raise your awareness. Simply understanding that you have two mindsets enables you to challenge your thinking and can produce incredible results. Acknowledge that we all have elements of fixed and growth mindsets. Don't beat yourself up. It's what makes us human. By embracing this, you can start to notice how often your fixed mindset creeps in. I think I can't sing and Donna thinks she can't draw. In reality, we know that we're very motivated to overcome these limited beliefs. We could enrol in singing and art classes and we know we could improve. Our motivation to do so is clearly low. Otherwise, we would, we would have already taken steps to rectify these perceived shortcomings. Become aware of our triggers. Know when your fixed mindset persona shows up. Perhaps at a networking event, you meet somebody in your industry who appears more confident and polished. How do you feel? Do you shrink in comparison? And is your mind telling you that you can never be as good? How about when you lose a prospect during a pitch? Do you blame yourself? And does this knock your confidence and ability to win future pitches? How do you handle it when you receive a compliment? Do you become defensive? Maybe you've received negative feedback during a personal development review. Do you feel uncomfortable and maybe choose to ignore the feedback? Do you dislike your manager a little for giving you the feedback? Or perhaps a colleague has been praised for doing something well. Are you looking for ways to discredit what he or she has done to make yourself feel better? Name your fixed mindset persona. This might sound a little odd, but bear with us. It works well in practice. We were talking about pricing with one of our clients, a high-end business, so not the cheapest in their sector. A senior employee argued that they could not attract new business as their price point was too high. Her fixed mindset persona, who she named Margaret, had taken over. Her tone changed and so did her style of communication, which became very direct. When challenged, she became even more direct and defensive. Another senior colleague in the room responded, saying, when Margaret comes out in this way, it impacts the group's ability to move forward with the discussion because she's so closed off. Another colleague bravely spoke up at this point. When Margaret comes out, I feel that I can't get my point out and I just fall silent. This is Violet, my fixed mindset persona. She shrinks and feels intimidated and tongue-tied. These revelations allowed the group to continue the discussion. Once they understood each other's triggers and personas, they were able to move past them and identify the real barriers to winning new business. Educate your mindset. Once you've identified your triggers and have named your fixed mindset persona, take your persona on a journey to grow your mindset. Later in this section, we'll explore a number of ways that you could do this. For example, you could find a mentor to support you, work with a coach to help you to develop, ask for constructive feedback, perhaps 360 degree feedback if you're a manager, listen to what your clients say about you, or work on a positive affirmations and visualizations and on removing limiting beliefs. Managing your mindset is not a one-off event. 
It takes time and continual effort to flip the switch from fixed mindset to growth mindset. But once you've done so, seemingly insurmountable challenges will be easier to navigate. How can you inspire your team to have a growth mindset? Promote problem solving when failure occurs. Praise teamwork and effort, not just outcomes. Lead by example, walk the talk. Encourage the team to share and talk about how they have overcome challenges. Show vulnerability as a leader and allow team members to show vulnerability too. Celebrate team wins, again, not just the outcome, but also the process. Encourage and empower the team to ask better questions. Place a high value on learning for everyone, including leaders. Encourage the team to obtain feedback from clients and promote peer-to-peer feedback. Coach employees on how to benefit from feedback. Encourage staff to embrace new challenges and to step outside their comfort zones. Encourage healthy and open debate and conflict. This avoids groupthink where everyone agrees with an egotistical leader and nobody is able to challenge his or her viewpoint. An action for you. Can you identify whether your mindset is fixed or growth in different circumstances? Emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is the capacity to be aware of, control and express your emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. Emotional intelligence is also referred to as emotional quotient, EI or EQ, and is broken down into four categories. Self-awareness, your ability to perceive your emotions and understand your tendency to act in certain ways in given situations. Social awareness, your ability to understand others' emotions, what others are thinking and feeling. Self-management, your ability to, and aware, to use awareness of emotions to stay flexible and direct your behaviour positively and constructively. And relationship management, your ability to use your awareness of your emotions and those of others to manage interactions successfully. It's our behaviour that puts people at ease or produces the opposite effect. Good behavioural skills enable us to build and maintain personal and professional relationships founded on confidence and trust. The following are a few self-development strategies to increase your EI. Make self-reflection a daily habit to raise your awareness of your current mindset. Pay attention to your behaviour. Practice greeting people by name. Listen appreciatively in conversations. Aim to respond rather than react. Go for a 10 minute tour of your work environment each day with the sole aim of connecting with people and observe social interactions between other people. Decades of research shows that 70% of the time emotional intelligence is the critical factor when when people with average IQs outperform those with high IQs and 90% of top performers have high emotional intelligence scores. The research also states that emotional intelligence is responsible for 58% of your job performance. People with higher emotional intelligence earn higher salaries than those with lower emotional intelligence. But high emotional intelligence won't do a thing for you unless you're genuine with it. People don't accept signs of emotional intelligence at face value. They want to see congruence with gestures, body language and actions too. As research scientist Christina Fong says, co-workers are not just mindless automatons. They think about the emotions they see and care whether they're sincere or manipulative. 
Her research reports that leaders are more effective at motivating people when they inspire trust and admiration through their actions and not just their words. According to Dr. Travis Bradbury, author of Emotional Intelligence 2.0, genuine people don't try to make people like them. It's not that they don't care whether or not other people like them, but simply they're not going to let that get in the way of doing the right thing. They're willing to make unpopular decisions and take unpopular positions if that's what needs to be done. People catch on to your attitude quickly and are more attracted to the right attitude than what or how many people you know. An action for you. How emotionally intelligent are you and your team? Brain chemistry. Our limbic brain controls our feelings and our ability to trust colleagues and clients. Trust is a feeling, not a behaviour. And our limbic brain feeds our body with chemicals to determine whether we trust or distrust a person, helping us to form bonds on an emotional level. Oxytocin. Oxytocin is the hormone that underlies trust. It's also an antidote to depressive feelings. It's produced when we make physical contact with someone and is often known as the love hormone. We're not suggesting that you go around falling in love with, with or hugging your colleagues and clients. We're talking about handshakes, eye contact and demonstrating warmth and compassion to build rapport. Oxytocin gives us the ability to empathise and be generous. It's also known as the pro-social hormone as it allows us to build bonds with others. Generosity and empathy must be unconditional. If we carry out an act of generosity, no matter how small, and it's come from a place of doing the right thing rather than following a process, then oxytocin is released in our body and in that of the recipient and a stronger bond is formed. The more acts of generosity we show our colleagues and clients, the more meaningful our relationships will be. If we merely follow a process and go through the motions, the interactions will be transactional. We rely on technology to follow processes and be compliant, but we need human interactions to build trust. When we do business with people we like and trust, more oxytocin is produced in our bodies. This is why it's also called the happiness hormone. Not only do we feel good, the recipients feel good too. As leaders, we need to empower our teams to do the right thing for clients. Knowing when we bend the rules to help a client will cement the relationship and the individuals and organisations will gain credibility. US-based company Zappos is an excellent example of an organisation that has thrown traditional rules out of the window. All employees are empowered to make decisions and maintain the company's legendary customer stand service standard. CEO Tony Heisch thinks customer experience and employee empowerment directly goes to the profits. Happier employees lead to strong, nurturing relationships and a more profitable business. Another benefit of oxytocin, it boosts the immune system, leaving us less susceptible to illness and a healthier workforce ultimately leads to a more profitable business. While oxytocin is very beneficial, it also has a downside. It's responsible for unconscious bias and favouritism. Individuals considered to be outside of a group are viewed less favourably than those inside a group. We'll explore unconscious bias later in this section. Cortisol. The hormone cortisol can offset all of the benefits of oxytocin in our system. While cortisol isn't produced in the brain, it comes from the adrenal glands. It's important to mention the impact cortisol can have on building trusted relationships. Cortisol inhibits the release of oxytocin, therefore decreasing our ability to be empathetic and show generosity. 
It also interferes with learning and memory and weakens the immune system and increases aggression. It's often referred to as the stress hormone. And while it's useful in fight or flight situations, it can be damaging if sustained in the body for long periods. If sustained, the risk of depression and mental illness is increased and the life expectancy can be lowered. Cortisol is released when we're stressed out or fearful. Loretta Graziano Bruning, PhD, founder of the Inner Mammal Institute, says cortisol commands attention when a threat is perceived, either internal or external. It creates the feeling that you'll die if you don't make it stop. Each cortisol spurt connects neurons that turn on the bad feeling when similar circumstances are met. Disappointment triggers cortisol too. Work-related stress has a significant impact on organisational performance. The UK government's Health and Safety Executive reports that the total number of UK working days lost due to work-related stress, depression or anxiety was 11.7 million in 2015-16, and 37% of all work-related ill health cases involved stress, depression or anxiety. Although there are significantly higher rates of work-related stress in professional occupations, it affects all occupations and all industries. Employees in a command and control culture will have cortisol permanently activated in their bodies. This is not natural. It should only be present in a real fight-or-flight situation. And if we're feeling stressed out and have a negative mindset, this of course will negatively affect our behaviour, which in turn will affect our business relationships. If organisations' culture is conducive to an increase in oxytocin rather than cortisol, our employees' ability to form bonds at an emotional level, both internally and externally, will be maximised. The cost of work-related stress is significant. Companies that don't help their people to manage their mindsets and don't create a positive internal culture will see more employee absence, lower performance and reduced bottom line. Optimum stress for performance. It might seem odd, but we do need a certain amount of stress in order to perform at our best. With no stress whatsoever, we would be completely demotivated. To be energised and focused, we need to be in a state of peak stress, the sweet spot for achievement. Too little stress means that we're unengaged, bored and uninspired. Too much can lead to burnout or illness. The sweet spot will vary for each of us. The level of stress that one individual may find motivating could leave others bored or flawed. It's a case of testing this out for yourself and being aware of when you start to feel that stress is too great. With the optimum amount of stress, we're in flow and achieving our personal best. Unconscious bias. Most of us think that we know what we believe in. At a conscious level, that, we, that may be true, but at an unconscious level, many of us hold prejudices that we are unaware of. We categorise people by weight, age, gender, skin colour, as well as by level of education, accent, abilities, social status and job title, amongst other things. We do this to prevent our brains from processing too much information, and these categorisations can then lead us to take actions based on bias. As we've made assumptions, we can challenge this unintentional discrimination though. The more we expose ourselves to groups of people who are different from our own groups, the less likely we are to feel prejudice against them and the more likely we are to challenge negative stereotypes. 
background, environment, family influences and previous experiences all shape our unconscious thinking. If we understand how unconscious bias affects our actions and behaviours, we can learn how to reprogram our thinking and this will enable us to build better relationships. Are you aware of the bias in you and your team? Consequences of unconscious bias. Unconscious bias can affect recruitment decisions, limit workforce diversity, hinder teamwork within the organisation, stifle creativity and innovation, negatively affect employees' performance, contribute to low morale, lead to more resignations and grievance procedures, damage an organisation's reputation or brand, cause more complaints to be filed and result in a loss of business or revenue. The benefits of diversity. Diversity can result in improved customer service that meets the needs of clients from different cultural and social backgrounds. An adaptable workforce that offers differing perspectives when identifying solutions to problems. A larger pool of candidates to recruit from and business growth due to an innovative workforce. Self-reflection. To achieve optimum performance, it's important to manage your mindset. For best results, we recommend daily self-reflection, which will solidify good habits and behaviours. Self-reflection is time dedicated specifically to thinking about how you're managing your mindset and the factors that are leading to poor or excellent performance. Setting aside time in your day for self-reflection will improve your ability to recognise helpful thoughts, feelings and behaviours, as well as unhelpful ones. Consider your mindset. In what areas is it fixed-based? In what areas is it growth-based? Have you displayed any unconscious bias? Is your mindset more positive or more negative? Many people spend time reflecting on tangible achievements, on things on their to-do lists, but few of us reflect on how our mindset is performing. Here's a simple self-reflection exercise. Write a list of adjectives that describe how you felt during the last 24 hours. These could range from excited, focused, elated, joyful, to sad, disappointed, anxious and fearful. Really think about how you felt and be as specific as possible. People often use the term stress to describe any negative emotion when in fact they might be anxious, worried, overworked or overwhelmed. Our brains like to generalise, but it's much more helpful to be as specific as possible. After three consecutive days of self-reflection, if you notice a pattern of negativity, see this, this as a warning that your mindset needs some attention. So how has your mindset performed during the last 24 hours? We have a workbook that you can download and you can find additional material to help with the self-reflection exercise. You'll find this at www.firstimpressions.uk.com forward slash trusted. Priming your mind. Priming the mind means making it ready for interaction. This is much more than arriving with a checklist. It's also about preparing to be present with the client you're about to meet. Have you ever decided to buy a new car and suddenly it seems that every second car on the road is the make and model that you've decided on? Of course, there are no more of these cars on the road than normal. The thing that has changed is your mind. You've primed your mind your reticular activating system to be precise, to seek out these cars. The reticular activating system, or RAS for short, acts as an antenna. It seeks out the things we focus on, hence we spot more of the car we're looking to buy. The RAS can help us to seek out behaviours we want to exhibit when building trusted relationships with our client. 
Time spent thinking about the characteristic we want to demonstrate in our interactions will be time well spent. For example, if you wish to show warmth and empathy, you'll want to consider using a softer tone, a lower volume and a lower pitch. You'll also want to slow down your speaking speed and choose words that convey warmth, i.e. phrases such as, I understand, or how can I support you? You can also prime your mind in terms of outcome. Considering the de desired outcome of an interaction prior to any client meetings will help you to adapt your behaviour if any challenges come up, while keeping your goal in mind. During a recent programme with Lloyds Bank, we discussed the concept of priming the mind with Mark Cadwallader and Hannah Alexander, Regional Director and Area Director respectively. Mark and Hannah shared the following. Before attending a meeting, we always tried to get our heads clear by running through the following. What are the main goals for the meeting? What do we want to achieve? Who will be at the meeting? And what time of type of atmosphere are we trying to create? Relaxed and informal or professional and formal? What mindset do we need? Do we need to dial up confidence and assertiveness or dial these down and perhaps dial up humility and openness? Getting in the zone before the meeting and doing a pre-play improves the meeting's qualities for all. Managing your mindset. Mandy Cooper, CEO of Baybury Clinics told us, in business, when organizations poorly implement change management processes or when communications break down, this can lead to fear, a lack of trust and higher levels of stress and anxiety. Staff can get locked into something akin to a trance state introspecting and ruminating on what might happen, which for many people is inevitably pessimistic. There is a duality of responsibility here. Employers need to understand that silence and miscommunication are the enemies of trust, and staff need to have an awareness of their own catastrophic rumination that is undermining their own well-being. Never was the phrase, it's good to talk, more apt. Similarly, when we feel ourselves entering a high pressure situation, which could be an interview, a meeting, a presentation, and many people will understand the anxiety associated with public speaking. The anxiety response is at risk of temporarily disabling our access to our executive function, the bit where we store all the clever things we're going to say to our audience. This leads to stumbling over words, forgotten speeches and post-presentation reflection where everything comes flowing back to us as our anxiety levels decrease once more. Understanding these responses is key to learning to control them and techniques can be successfully utilised to overcome such responses. The imagination is a problem-solving tool. Rehearsing whatever you need to do is hugely helpful in preparing for the performance. This in itself decreases anxiety as there's greater confidence in the strategy. However, when you're standing outside the door or about to walk on the platform, the familiar spike of anxiety might still strike. The technique here is to communicate with your own body, to tell it all is well. You can't do this cognitively, you don't believe yourself, but you can do it physiologically with a simple breathing technique called 7-11 breathing. It works on the premise that breathing is used to, to stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system. This is the system associated with calm, the opposite of the fight or flight response. The outbreath decreases blood pressure, slows the heart rate and lowers emotion. We need more of this outbreath to convince our brains that we are in fact calm and that there is no need for the anxiety response, which will hinder performance. 
The 711 refers to the length of the breaths. Breathe in for the count of seven and breathe out for the count of 11. A longer out-breath will lower the emotional response almost instantly and within four or five breaths a difference should be felt. This technique is useful in a myriad of situations. It's even helpful with sleep problems. Here are some of Mandy's simple tips to help to reduce stress and anxiety. Practice 7-11 breathing. This is simply breathing in for a count of seven and out for a count of 11. The effects can be felt in just a few breaths. It's not intended to be a permanent breathing state, just a short-term intervention when you're feeling anxious. Promote education in the workplace. Make it okay to talk about feeling anxious or stressed. Be non-judgmental, be open, and have genuine concern for colleagues at all levels of the organisation. An appropriate and individually relative level of stress is a good thing. It's a motivator. It becomes a problem when we're overwhelmed with problems that we cannot resolve or change, or with circumstances beyond our resources or control. This leads to burnout, which can often manifest as anxiety, panic, or a sense of lack of control. Take a proactive approach to mental health. Offer regular one-to-one -one coaching or counselling sessions to talk about maintaining a positive mindset. Get enough sleep. When we're anxious, we may, may suffer either from insomnia or too much REM sleep, our brain's way of dealing with emotions. If you wake up having slept but feeling really tired, this could well be the reason. Try allocating a time early in the day to reflect on things that need your attention. And then once the time period is over, put those thoughts aside until the same time the next day. Be disciplined. Bedtime is not the time to sort out all your problems. Practice mindfulness. We'll discuss this shortly. Interact and connect on a human level. Social media and email con create the illusion that we're connecting with people, but we need to build rapport with real people to connect with our innate emotional need for community. People with a shared sense of purpose and mutual understanding. It could be as simple as meeting up with a book group, a sports group or friends. Digital media is an accessory to connection, but it cannot replace it. Be prepared for life changes. Big life events such as retirement, for instance, can be a key factor for depression, if not approached with planning. In the case of retirement, it's vital to be aware that such significant change in your daily structure and sense of purpose can dramatically impact your well-being unless alternate goals and a sense of meaning are established. Employers can help with transitions such as retirement, redundancy, job change or even periods of extended leave. To maintain your well-being, it's vital to recognise the feelings associated with such change and how they will herald new definitions of community, meaning, purpose and achievement. Which of these tips are useful to you and your team? Well-being and employee benefits in the workplace. Employee well-being is a hot topic of conversation in the business world today. Ultimately, we can measure our well-being by our levels of happiness, health, comfort and safety. All too often, our work lives and home lives negatively affect our well-being and in turn, this negatively affects our professional and personal relationships. We often hear employers talking about the need for well-being initiatives in the workplace and citing external reasons for the need. Sometimes, though, we need to look within the organisation itself, as workplace culture can often contribute to employees' stress or unhappiness. 
As leaders, we have a responsibility to ensure that our teams have healthy mindsets. We must facilitate this through positive culture. Birmingham Optical Group has introduced many initiatives to promote, promote employee well-being as a result of extensive staff engagement surveys. During monthly one-to-one -one meetings, employees are given the opportunity to provide feedback and share how they're feeling and how things are at home. This helps both employees and employers to identify any early warning signs. A free helpline has been set up with an outside agency and is available for staff. They can speak to someone over the phone or arrange a face-to-face meetup at any time. As part of the company's employee back uh, benefits package, reduced fees have been negotiated with local gyms to encourage staff to participate in physical activities. Events such as family days, charity cycle rides, running groups and football tournaments have been arranged to support employee well-being while raising money for worthy causes. Natalie Ormerod, Head of HR and Quality at Bandhatton Button Solicitors, sees employees' well-being as a priority in her role. She says probably the most significant well-being initiatives are introduced as a duvet day for birthdays and fruit being delivered twice a week. We also have a high quality coffee machine in the kitchen to encourage our employees to take breaks from their desks and increase team bonding. We celebrate long service awards, arrange a summer and Christmas event for team members and families. There are also regular treats throughout the year, like an, e an egg at Easter, Christmas goodies and an ice cream van comes during the summer to keep everyone cool. What wellbeing initiatives and employee benefits could you introduce to your organisation? Overcoming mindset barriers. There are many ways to overcome mindset barriers. We use the following techniques regularly with clients and they deliver excellent results. Anchoring. Has a piece of music ever suddenly transported you to a memorable positive time? Music can take you back to a feeling you once had. It's an external trigger and your feeling is an internal response that was captured at the time. We can use this same technique known as anchoring to help us to change our mindset at any given time. It can boost energy, confidence, motivation or any other powerful state. Wearing certain clothing can be an anchor. Your lucky jacket, for example. In sport, we also see anchoring rituals. When former English rugby player Johnny Wilkinson prepared to kick, he always carried out the same ritual. In this way, he linked himself to a positive mindset that allowed him to access the most resourceful state for success. To create an anchor, follow these steps. Decide on the positive emotion you wish to anchor. For example, confidence. Choose a physical anchor to trigger the positive emotion. For example, squeeze your thumb and forefinger together. Recall a time when you experienced the positive emotion or imagine a scenario. Activate the anchor when you feel the emotion at its peak state, so the most intense state. When the experience begins to fade, release the physical anchor and distract yourself from your current state. You may want to count from 10 to zero. Repeat these steps several times to make the memory more vivid each time. Apply the anchor and check that the desired emotional state occurs. Test it by thinking of a situation where you may need to use this anchor to see if it's effective. Modified language and vis visualisation. The statements we use to describe ourselves are powerful. Do you ever notice yourself saying I can't or I'm not statements? For example, I'm not confident enough to do this, 
This statement limits capabilities and straight away disempowers you. In this state, it's difficult to access positive emotions. The limiting belief takes over, and even if it's not true, in that moment you believe it is. To overcome limiting beliefs and prevent self-sabotage, try the following techniques. Notice your language, both the language you speak out loud and the language you use in your head, known as self-talk. Any time you make a blanket statement about yourself or catch yourself thinking that you can't do something, take some quiet time and note any self-limiting beliefs. Get into the habit of modifying your language. For example, if you've written, I'm not confident, change it to, I'm working towards having more confidence. It's a subtle shift, but a powerful one. Pick a date in the future when you want to be more confident and regularly spend more spend time visualising how you want that confidence to manifest. Visualise your desired outcomes often with as much clarity as you possibly can. Positive self-talk. Practice the art of positive self-talk. Tailor it to the goal you're trying to achieve. For example, as you enter a room at a networking event, you might repeat instructions to yourself. Shoulders back, head upright, good posture. Or it could be a phrase to motivate you, I can do this, or I've got this handled. Power posing. We've written about this in the communication section, as the technique covers body language as well as mindset, according to Amy Cuddy, professor of psychology at Harvard University. Our bodies change our minds, and our minds can change our behaviour, and our behaviour can change our outcomes. This is really powerful. If you haven't seen it, look up the Amy Cuddy TED Talk by just searching on Google for Amy Cuddy TED Talk. It's amazing. Self-awareness and feedback. Very often we're unaware of the mindset barriers we create for ourselves, but others can spot them. Create an environment and a culture that encourages feedback and challenges employees constructively. We don't always know what we don't know. Coaching or mentoring. A great coach or mentor can really help to expand your mindset and push your thinking. Modelling. Richard Bandler, co-founder of Neurolinguistic Programming, or NLP, says we take the very best of what people do, synthesise it down, make it learnable and share it with each other. That's NLP. Why reinvent the wheel when we can learn from someone who's already mastered the skill or behaviour that we're trying to learn? If we understand the beliefs, the psychology and specific thought processes that underlie a certain behaviour or skill, we can replicate it. Reframing. By putting a positive twist on something, we can change the way we think and feel about it. For example, say you receive news from a client. The time scale for a project has been drastically reduced because the current software will be unsupported earlier than planned. You might be inclined to think that your organisation can't meet the challenge. Here's a simple reframe. We have a big challenge ahead of us and we're up to the challenge. We can do this. Andrew Howarth, Managing Director of Bartle Hall Hotel in Lancashire, says people's emotional well-being can fluctuate and it's helping people to understand that this is normal. For me, mindset is everything. If our employee is not confident, they'll be sabotaging themselves through thinking they're not good enough. Whether it's someone who's worked here for a week or 20 years, helping them with mindset is paramount. Mindfulness, Donna's story. 
I didn't hear the term mindfulness until September 2003. I was excited to be starting a new phase of my life. I was returning to work after a four-year career break following the birth of my son, who was born with cerebral palsy. Returning to work is probably the wrong phrase to use, as I've never worked so hard as I did during those years. My son's disability was the pathway to securing my new position as an Associate Director on the Trust Board of an NHS Mental Health and Children's Trust. As is usual with NHS appointments, there was an extensive induction programme to work through. I soon realised that this was no run-of-the-mill induction. The third day was dedicated to my well-being as an employee and included a meeting with a hospital chaplain, a one-to-one with the HR director and a workshop introducing me to mindfulness. What is mindfulness? Professor Mark Williams, former director at the Oxford Mindfulness Centre, says that mindfulness means knowing what is going on inside and outside ourselves moment by moment. It's easy to stop noticing the world around us. It's also easy to lose touch with the way our bodies are feeling and to end up living in our heads, caught up in our thoughts without stopping to notice how those thoughts are driving our emotions and behaviour, he says. An important part of mindfulness is reconnecting with our bodies and the sensations they experience. This means waking up to the sights, sounds, smells and tastes of the present moment. That might be something as simple as the feel of a banister as we walk upstairs. How can mindfulness benefit us? Becoming aware of the present moment can help us to enjoy the world around us more and understand ourselves better. Professor Williams also says, this lets us stand back from our thoughts and start to see their patterns. Gradually, we can train ourselves to notice when our thoughts are taking over and realise that thoughts are simply mental events that do not have to control us. Awareness of this kind also helps us to notice signs of stress or anxiety earlier and helps us to deal with them better. Steps Donna takes to make mindfulness a happiness. Steps Donna takes to make mindfulness a habit. I walk daily at 6am and observe nature around me. I drink eight glasses of water mindfully each day. This involves paying attention to feeling the glass in my hand, the act of breathing, the drinking of the water, the sensation of the water in my mouth and the swallowing of the water. All I'm thinking about at this time is the act of drinking. I pay attention to my breathing at various points throughout the day. When I'm aware of my in-breath and my out-breath, my breathing calms and this in turn calms my mind. All of these activities allow me to connect with the current moment so I can be present with a clear mind and focus on the here and now. Build a mindfulness habit. Pick a regular time, for example, the morning journey to work or a walk at lunchtime, during which you dedicate yourself to being aware of the sensations created by the world around you. Try something new. Trying new things such as sitting at a different seat during meetings or going somewhere new for lunch can also help you notice the world in a new way. Some people find that doing gentle yoga or walking helps them to cope with an overly busy mind. Caroline Suggett, executive coach and mindfulness teacher tells us, thoughts are not facts, thoughts are just thoughts. They are not reality. Things you may worry about or imagine happening will probably never happen. Imagine thoughts as just clouds passing by. Your mind is the clear, steady blue sky. Noticing that you are separate to your thoughts means the thoughts lose their emotional power over you. This creates creates a pause for you to notice. You can choose to focus on what is actually happening in each moment.
how could you introduce mindfulness into your daily routine? Mastering the art of managing your mindset is a key component to building trust. Getting it wrong can really damage your credibility and getting it right can take you one step closer to finding your T-spot. So in summary, here are some of the credibility sleuth points that I've covered. Cultivate a growth mindset through hard work, mentoring and perseverance as this will enable development. Consider the importance of a high level of emotional intelligence. It allows us to handle relationships judiciously and empathetically. Find ways to maximise oxytocin production. Oxytocin helps us to build maximum trust, to empathise and to be generous. Bring your unconscious bias into your conscious awareness to reprogram your thinking. Set aside dedicated self-reflection time to help to manage your mindset and catch any dips before they spiral out of control. Prime your mind for all interactions to give you the best chance of success. Build strategies to proactively manage your mindset in high pressure situations. Support healthy mindsets and employees through a positive culture that encourages well-being initiatives such as mindfulness. Learn techniques to overcome mindset barriers. And credibility thief, things that you want to avoid. A fixed mindset in any situation can be very damaging to your credibility. Low emotional intelligence equates to having difficulty reading and controlling emotions. The stress hormone cortisol can block oxytocin benefits. Find ways to achieve optimum stress for performance. Left unchecked, your judgment of others will narrow your world. An unhealthy amount of negative thinking over a prolonged period of time can affect your emotional well-being. If you are not priming your mind, you are not bringing your best characteristics to your interactions. A reactive approach to your mental health could escalate stress and anxiety. Toxic cultures can contribute significantly to employee stress and unhappiness. Without a toolbox of strategies, a healthy mindset is left to chance. I really hope you've enjoyed the reading of this chapter of Trusted. If you'd like to find out more about the book, you can go to www.firstimpressions.uk.com forward slash trusted and if you have enjoyed it i'd love it if you could go to the app that you listen to this on and rate review and subscribe it really does help other people to find the podcast thank you so much if you follow me on social media you will have seen me sharing details of the service excellence awards um, that has just recently been launched for 2020 the awards event will take place on the 19th of March 2020 and the deadline for entries is the 24th of January 2020. Just as it sounds, it's all about celebrating organisations and individuals who deliver service excellence on a regular basis. So this, if there's someone you know or the company that you work for that deserves um, an entry into the awards, then please pop to the website and download an entry form. You'll find it at www.serviceexcellenceawards.co.uk. So until next time, thank you for joining me and I will look forward to introducing my guest as per normal on the podcast next month. Thank you very much. Bye bye.